Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Um, I am here today with one of my newest and greatest coaches, Sayori Yoshimura. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest and transparent. This is the second time we've tried to do this podcast. Uh, we had a slight technical issue with the first podcast, so we're doing it again. But uh, any opportunity to talk to Sayori is a pleasure, so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. Um, so, hey, Sayori, how you doing? Good, I'm good. I'm happy to be here yeah, for the second again. time. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been? It was good. It's been a, it, it was a busy week, but I'm good. I got my coffee and ready to, ready to chat. Ready to chat. Yeah. Um, okay, so the way that I'd like to start this is just to kind of introduce you, uh, let the listeners hear a little bit of your background. Uh, Sayori is a competitive weightlifter. She's also a, a nutritionist for competitive fighters. She's also a limitless challenge coach in our upcoming limitless challenge. She's also a coach at Ferris Athletic Club. She has a ton of stuff going on. Um, we could chat all day, uh, but Sayori, let's, uh, let's kind of go back and figure out how you got kind of involved with the fitness industry and how you got into weightlifting and how you eventually got around to the nutrition for fighters. Uh, but, you know, start at the beginning and take us wherever you want to take us. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I went to UC Davis thinking I wanted to be a vet. And then my third year of school, I discovered CrossFit. Uh, it was the only CrossFit in town, uh, in the town of Davis. It's a very small, small bubble. Um, but I just fell in love with CrossFit. I lived and breathed it. I would watch YouTube videos on how to do all the fun things. Um, and then once a week, the CrossFit gym had a barbell club and that's where I discovered Olympic weightlifting. Um, and then of course I fell in love with that. And the coach was like, Hey, like, if you want to like do this, like really do this, like you have to pick like CrossFit or weightlifting kind of thing. It's like an ultimatum. And I was like, weightlifting easy. (laughs) So I pretty much picked weightlifting. And I really think that's kind of the start of where I was like, Hey, I don't want to do a vet. I think I'm, I love human movement. And I think weightlifting really allowed me to see how much I loved what the human body can do. Right. Um, and that's how I got introduced to weightlifting. And that's really what kind of directed me towards, um, going into physical therapy. And what, um, Oh, I know you didn't even mention that you're also a physical therapist in my introductions. This is a whole other thing we've got to talk about. <laughs> um, what was it about weightlifting that appealed to you more than kind of CrossFit in general, do you think? It's just so technical. I think weightlifting just really encompasses like a lot of components of athleticism, right? Like you need mobility. And it's not just flexibility, like it's like, can you get into a bottom of a squat position and freaking have all this weight over your head or on your right. shoulders um, and still have that tension right in the bottom position? Um, yeah, it's like strength in mobility, right? As exactly. opposed to just being flexible. Yeah. yeah, it's I think it's one of the best things you can do, right, um, to work on your mobility. And then um, the strength component, obviously, we need that progressive overload in your training. And then like the endurance, maybe some people watch weightlifters, they see them lift and they sit back down, but there's parts in the program where if I'm doing like five clean extensions from the floor and they're like over my hundred percent clean and jerk, um, like max, my heart rate's going to be up. And I promise I'm like working hard, you know, or if I'm doing like 10 reps at 80% of my max back squat, like that's endurance too, you know, sure, so I think sure. it just really has all those factors and 
it's just, I think you have to be a perfectionist in a way to enjoy the sport because every little thing really affects if you can get that bar over your head. Like if your shoulders are like half an inch over the bar in the starting position, like that could be the reason why you miss a lift or like if you get under the bar, like a little bit too quickly, that's you missing your jerk. So I think it's just so frustrating and I hate it, but I love it so much. (laughs) And I think that's why, that's why I love the sport. It's a very precise sport. Um, Why do you think, I mean, you've already touched on it, I think, but I've noticed, you know, especially at Faros and, and in the last few years, so many women really, really, developing a love for weightlifting uh, and competitive Olympic lifting. And we've had several meets now um, at, at Ferris and with the Ferris community and more and more women. I mean, there's been more women than men for sure. And um, what do you think that is? What do you think so many women, it appeals to so many women? Well, I do think CrossFit has a big role in that because I would not have found weightlifting without mm-hmm. CrossFit. Like I know that for a fact. Um, and so I think out of CrossFit, I think a lot of people have similar stories from like, like me where they started CrossFit and that's where they found Olympic lifting. Um, So I think there's that aspect of CrossFit. And then of course there's just social media, right? It's a great place where um, people are able to express like the beauty of strength. Um, You have a lot of like leading females that people look up to and they're weightlifters. Um, And then I think in terms of just like personal training too, a lot of people are realizing that Olympic lifts, just explosiveness, of like the sport um does play a factor in like their training and like very sport specific and i think just all of those things together people are just finding like just like the beauty and strength and like the importance of it yeah and i, I think there's there's such a grace to it there's such a grace to weightlifting there's such a kind of almost dance to it that i think you know when people think about like lifting weights sometimes they think of it as a real kind of meathead kind of thing of like oh you know look at this big dumb guy lifting a bunch of stuff but with weightlifting and Olympic lifting, like you were saying before, there is such a, such a movement to it, such a, such a perfection, such an art to it, that I think it, it almost steps into a different area of, 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 of fitness and of, of lifting. Um, you know, we have our dumb lifts, like our, our deadlift and our bench and our squat, which are also you know, highly technical if you do them correctly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is, there's, there's a, there is a certain flow and a certain artistry to weightlifting that I think appeals to a different kind of portion of 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 uh, of society and 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 to the community um at large and i think it's a really interesting um thing to see because like you said sometimes i i see on one side i see this kind of trend in the fitness industry towards like sweating and just running around and just getting your heart rate up and just doing a bunch of stuff and just burning as many calories and how many how many how many calories did i burn on my watch and that's the whole goal whereas you know on this side that's kind of like the silly kind of silly fitness approach which is obviously makes money and people love it and blah 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 blah. and then on the other side is kind of like the weightlifting which is the intelligent application of strength mobility it takes time it takes practice it takes you know so much thought behind it um you kind of have these two things moving simultaneously and both contain a lot of women both you know both of those kind of different um different ends of the spectrum but I, I think it's almost like you were saying, like, it's almost like an awareness thing of like, as soon as people become aware of how beautiful and graceful this thing can be, I think it really draws people in. And once they experience it for the first time, it's like, oh my God, this is, this, this connects. This is a real, a real thing. So that's an interesting kind of like weird parallel thing. That's Absolutely, happening at yeah. the same time. <laughs> 
Um, and obviously like as a, you know, as a gym that for the longest time has tried to do things like the right way in the industry, it's really pleasing to me to see people take an interest in this way rather than that way. Not that, you know, both have their places, but, you know, um, if you've been doing this this, this a while, then it, it, it's exciting to see people really take an interest in something that takes real application, real effort, and real real thought. Um, did you, you mentioned the, the social media and the icons. Who were your kind of, kind of icons when you were kind of like developing and coming up? Uh, the biggest one that pops up right, right away is Maddie Rogers. I think right. she was a huge um I think she's like the icon in like social media when it comes to like weightlifting like people I think everyone knows who Maddie Rogers is um she's a big one um that I follow and then and there's so many I can't I can't think of one but Steffi Cohen in the powerlifting world she's mm-hmm. a huge one um she's kind of she's kind of drifting you know about power uh powerlifting bodybuilding um but for me Maddie Rogers was a huge one and I think um she really kickstarted it all. Like she got the Maddie Rogers bun. Like I think everyone started doing their hair like that, like when they went to competition. So I think she had a huge influence. But I think even like you mentioned, you mentioned CrossFit before. I think even when people were watching uh, women and men, but women, especially like lifting in the CrossFit games and so so forth. And of course you can say like, technically maybe the clean and jerk and the snatch isn't as, isn't as good in in CrossFit as it is in the competitive Olympic weightlifting. But when you were seeing you know, women lifting these huge, these huge weights um, in, in such a, you know, especially since kind of like, let's say 2018, when lifting has got a lot more technical and has got a lot more, a lot more parallel to, to the, you know, the strict kind of weightlifting world. I think that's also been hugely influential. I'm, I, I remember like back in my day, like Brooke Entz and people like that, um, yes. snatching and clean jerking and watching that and, and people being inspired by that. Um, Lauren Fisher I think she was actually a big one too yeah and then Camille um I forgot her last name Camille Camille uh, Labaz Bazinet yes yes yeah I think she I think they were also I remember they're like on my radar too and I'm thinking like they were just so cool and even Tia Tia's competed in competitive weightlifting too so it's oh yeah she she like went to the Olympics yeah right yeah yeah Yeah, for sure yeah I mean it's you know, because I remember, I remember back in the day, there's kind, there was kind of like the joke of it, like, look how poorly CrossFit has left and that kind of thing. But you know, if you look at it, sure, if you look at it, two thousand nine, two thousand and ten, that was true. But by by twenty eighteen, it's a different story. Like you've you've got some good lifters. Oh yeah, like Matt Fraser. I mean, he has an Olympic lifting background, but it's almost like to be on the top on the podium, like you need to take Olympic lifting seriously, right? Yeah. Like Rich Broning, like I remember he had really good technique, like watching yeah. him. So it's like yeah. even to be the best in CrossFit, like your technique better be honed in. <laughs> and it's it's what's impressive is that's so true, but also knowing how much other stuff they have to do to, to compete in that sport. It's really, it's mind-blowing how good you have to be at so many different things to be competitive and to still fit it all in and, and, and then compete at the highest level is, you know, it's pretty wild. I mean, you knowing how much it takes of your day to be a competitive weightlifter and then adding to that all the other stuff. It's, it's pretty wild. 
that's, I think that's another reason you bring up that point why I wanted to do weightlifting, because I think I just want to be good at something. Whereas in CrossFit, I can't do that. Like I I remember I was just so bad at running and I just felt like defeated. So I just wanted to be focused on snatching, clean and jerk, I think. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is the time thing, right? To, To be to be competitive in that sport, it's it's a full time job. You got to be doing it like six hours a day. Yeah. When you when you calculate everything, and for most people that this is really a hobby, like this isn't paying your bills. Like you can't right. afford that amount of time dedicated to that that thing. Whereas weightlifting, I'm sure it takes you you know ninety minutes, two hours of your day, but it's you know it's not six hours. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, yeah. that's another that's another huge component. And the problem people's the problem a lot of people face is that sport can dominate their life and then if they're not in the top three which obviously most people aren't they're left with like how am I going to pay my bills how do I support myself you know it's it's a it's a, it's a real thing yeah um but with the weightlifting stuff um how, I said I said 90 minutes two hours a day how much time do you dedicate to that a week and my other question is you, you talked about the conditioning aspect of it do you find, because I know weightlifting is a, um, obviously a weight class sport. It's a relative strength sport. Do you have to do cardiovascular stuff? Do you have to do interval training to keep your body composition where it needs to be? Or is the weightlifting training alone enough to, to keep you in, in the right ballpark? To be honest, if I could do, if I had all the time in the world, I would be in the gym all day, but just with everything going on, right? Life happens. Um, Usually a good session is about two hours, but if I'm in addition, when I'm doing all my accessory work, bodybuilding, still doing all my mobility stuff outside of my weightlifting program, it's easy three hours. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I really don't do a lot of the cardio stuff. Um, but it's funny. I was actually just talking to, um, Jess, coach Jess, and she was telling me she was training for a half marathon and she found that it really does help. Like if you're doing like a complex, like I'm sure that would help me if I'm doing a clean complex where I'm cleaning, I got two front squats and then I got two jerks. Absolutely. I think like cardio would help for me. Um, yeah, just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was always, there's always the argument for having a strong aerobic base really helps with recovery. Um, whether that be interset recovery um, or um, between session recovery, um, yeah. whether you know the development of mitochondria and the, just the you know just the tolerance, the, the the general work capacity that you develop when you do that base aerobic training. Um, but it may well be that you already had that. You know, you've already been developing that for so long that that when you started weightlifting, it was it was already there. But yeah, I, I do find that most people, you know, I think one of one of the things that crossfitters uh, really neglect is that kind of zone two base aerobic training because it's not fun because <laughs> it's just boring um but uh, i think it, it really benefits a lot of people when they when they start adding that in um it's a it's 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 just one of those things that you know everybody used to do and then everybody stopped doing and then after a while everyone's like but what about this um i don't know like the uh, the aerobic capacity guy i forget his I forget his name, but I know he's been coming in and doing a lot more of that kind of emphasizing the importance of zone two training for, mm-hmm. for most athletes and the benefits it can bring. Um, but it's interesting, you know, because a lot of people associate body composition with cardio. And, you know, I know, you know, a lot of weightlifters, I know a lot of bodybuilders who are the leanest people on the planet who don't do much. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's one of those misconceptions that we, you know, we associate, we associate things with different things. 
we associate lean people with like a ton of cardio and we associate like you know power lifters and strength with like just mass yeah. uh, when in truth and we'll get into the nutrition uh stuff in a, in a while but in truth if you are developing lean muscle tissue and lifting a lot of weights and improving your metabolism and combine that with good nutrition really that's the key to you know good body composition yeah as opposed absolutely. to just mindless cardio and shorter time too right <laughs> yeah and generally more fun yeah <laughs> so um you 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 started competing in crossfit you started uh, uh uh then you transferred to the weightlifting stuff um this was all happening at the same time as you were certifying as a um, physical therapist or what came first and how did that happen? Yes. Yeah, so I, after I discovered um, weightlifting from CrossFit, I actually went abroad for a year and um, because I thought I wanted to live in Japan. So it was a really good year experience in Japan. And then I joined the school's weightlifting team because I still mm -hmm. had this love to weightlift. Um, and honestly, I was still kind of figuring out like if I wanted to do physical therapy, um, I was just, maybe I just want to live in Japan and just kind of experience my, you know, time there. Um, but then, no, I joined a weightlifting team, all boys, um, all males. I was like the only female. So in Japan, it's still, there's definitely, um, obviously you have like the top female, like, like uh, Miyake Hiromi, right? She was in like the Tokyo 2020. It's very um, a select group of people that decide to go into weightlifting. But as a whole, like a society as a whole, like no one really, we're not there yet in Japan, right? right? They're right. still in the cardio kind of, let's do a right. whole bunch of cardio phase. Yeah. Um, so I was the only female there. And then um, I just, I just loved weightlifting. I really just, I feel like that's all I did. And I was like, I got to get back to the States and do physical therapy. Um, and so I spent a year in Japan, just weightlifting, pretty much not studying or anything. <laughs> and then I came back to the States and I was like, all right, let's do physical therapy. So there's kind of like a year gap in between um, of like me starting weightlifting and then going into physical therapy. And then that took you three years to three years. A therapist? Yeah. Great. Yes. And you're practicing now and, and practicing at Ferris Athletic Club and members yes. come and see you and members love you and you're obviously... Oh, so. <laughs> obviously very 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 good at it and and the great thing about it, and what i love about physical therapists uh, like you is that you know you understand sport you compete in sport you understand you know it used to be as soon as anybody got a niggle or got injured it's like you need to stop everything um whereas now i, I see physical therapists coming through it's like no you don't need to stop you just need to do this you just need to do that you need to change things a little bit you need to be more conscious of this more aware of this you need to prepare in this way um, and I think it's really evolved, you know, just in, just in my time in, in the industry, um, because there are a lot more people that actually do sport and actually work out and actually experience these things. And they have a greater awareness of uh, a, a physical um, application and how, how the body moves and how the body really works. And are just more interested in it um, and are less willing to let people just sit and do nothing. Yes. And I remember in PT school, I was like one of the few, like me and a couple other people that dabbled in or that did weightlifting. And I think just having the background of weightlifting, it's just, it's really helped me just figure out like human movement. And without yeah. it, I honestly don't know where I would be. It's just the sport has done so much for me, just personal level, but also just in terms of like my career. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And then 
at what stage did the physical therapy stuff kind of lead into the nutrition stuff? Did it just kind of like, I mean, obviously, like we said, weightlifting is a, you know, it's a relative strength sport. You have to be a certain weight uh, to compete in that category. So obviously you had to pay attention to nutrition as you were doing it. And did you just fall in love with that side of it as you were doing it? And Yes. So um, I've always just kind of had my battles with food um, growing up. And then weightlifting is a weight class sport. And so I've always just kind of walked around a little bit heavier than the weight class that I competed in, which was 53 kilos. And I would always just do a crash diet, which didn't do me any favors, like someone who, Mm. you know, just battles with that stuff. And um, I was just doing it all the wrong ways. And I could tell that my, I wasn't getting stronger. There was something wrong. So I just took the step to hire a nutrition coach. And this coach just really helped me figure out, he, he pretty much just kept, giving me like more and more food every week. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? (laughs) But nothing bad happened. I'm still alive. And if anything, I was PRing just like left and right, just every single week, like my numbers were going up because I was being like fueled. And that was just kind of the moment where I was like, food is is fuel. Like it just kind of, obviously my mind, it takes time to kind of build that mindset, but I'm at a place right now where it's, you know, like food is fuel and that's all really how I see it. Um, and then, so with that experience, I just realized, like, I think I just want to help other people, um, that were in the same boat as me in the past, just help them realize that for themselves as well. Yeah. And I think that that you you touched on such a good point there, like food is fuel. And that's what we always try and say at first, like, you know, what do I need to consume to do the things that I want to do, um, is a much healthy way to look at things uh, and, and thinking about like, what can I add into my diet as opposed to like, what do I restrict? What do I take out all the time? And, you know, we talk a lot about nutrient density and like how many nutrients do I need to perform and how many nutrients do I need to, to exist the way that I want to exist. It's just a much better way than look at it, looking at it as, uh, as opposed to like calorie restriction all the time. And then what foods I can't eat and all this kind of stuff. Like, of course, at a certain point, we have to be aware of like calorie consumption and we have to be aware of bad foods and we have to be aware of junk. Um, but once you start getting into the mindset of if I eat this stuff, I'll be able to do everything better and I'll feel a lot better and I'll look a lot better. And, and, um, and just in general, um, have a better life because I'm eating this way and eating these things. Uh, it's a much better, healthier mindset to be in than, than the, the kind of restriction, starvation, endless cardio kind of like, which was very, very normal, um, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, um, you know, I, wor- I worked on, on, on movies before where, you know, a lot of the cast, a lot of the female cast came from a dance background. And in the dance world, you know, it was very common to be very restrictive of, of calories, very restrictive of carbohydrates, almost, you know, that malnourished, basically, yeah. um, to get to get lean. Um, and it was a real kind of like effort to like, okay, you need to eat more, you need to eat more protein, you need to eat more carbohydrates, you just need, you just need to make better choices of the kind of sources you're, you're getting them from. Um, and you will find that you have more energy, uh, your metabolism will increase, you'll burn more calories on a more regular basis, and all that kind of thing. And it was just a shift of mindset from restriction to better consumption. Um, but once people get into that that place, it's such, it's just such a game changer. Um, it's just a much healthier place to be in. 
Yeah. And building that mindset, it's not night and day. It takes like years. Like if you've already had this mindset for growing up, it's, it's going to take that amount of time or longer to like change it. Right. So I think the sport of weightlifting, wow. I like love weight. It really has like shaped my life. Um, Weightlifting. Like now it's like, okay, what's my snatch number? What's my clean and jerk going to be? What do I have to eat to get that? It's like just having that source of like weightlifting where I can base my number. Like my numbers are about weightlifting. It's not about like, oh, like the calories, right. That you were talking about. It's just such a different way of thinking. And I'm not going to lie. There's still days where I'm like, oh, can I eat that? But it's like, it's a constant, you know, like, it's like, I'm a nutrition coach. I should know better. Right. But there's just days where it gets the better of me, but it's just, it's a constant process that you need to keep. Yeah. And any, anybody that says that they're, they're always on point with their nutrition is a fucking liar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like we all, like I've read like every nutritional like book and I've listened to everybody I could possibly listen to. And I still like have days I'm like, oh, I don't really care. Or not that I don't care, but like you just you just can't be that that strict all the time. And you know, you, you, we're always learning. I'm always like changing my mind about well, maybe I should take in more of this, or maybe I shouldn't like eat so much of that. Like it's it's always it's always a it's always a conversation. It's always a growth. Like there's no there's no absolutes in in nutrition. I don't think or or an exercise. Like you're always learning and growing and changing. And um, you know, things I do three years ago, I don't do anymore. I'm sure like in three years time, I'll probably do different things than I do now because I'll like learn different things about my body or maybe it's just age. You know, I found like, as, as I've gotten older, I had to change things. Um, I just become aware of different things or, you know, I think also, you know, you do get sucked in sometimes with certain like, you know, gurus or certain, certain ways of doing things. And you're like, Oh, this, this makes sense to me or this 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 appeals to me so you kind of end up doing it whether it's working for you or not um and it's funny when you meet people it's like i eat this way because i believe in this and i'm like well is it working for you and they're like what do you mean like well well, have you achieved what you wanted to achieve it's like well no but i believe in this it's like well that doesn't matter (laughs) like your belief system isn't you know uh, isn't giving you the results that you want it's not giving you the, you know, either the body composition or the performance or whatever it is that you, that you truly want. So whether you believe it or not is irrelevant if it's not working. Yeah, uh, And that can be, you know, that can be another challenge um, with, with diet because, you know, people get drawn into certain things and they want to, they want to be a part of a certain community or they want to belong to something. So they get drawn into it, but then, you know, it can end up a lot of time messing with people's metabolisms and, and leading to malnourishment and all these other kind of issues. So sometimes it, it takes a, a dropping of dogma and it takes a stepping away from like um, certain things and being more open-minded and being like, okay, maybe this, maybe that, and maybe not just this. Yeah. As humans, we just get drawn to like the next new thing. And right. it's funny because um, someone's like, okay, like, oh, are you going to change all of this? It's like, no, we're just going to stay here a couple weeks, like maybe like the next couple months, like we need to see how your body's responding. We can't just jump to like one thing to the next thing. Then we just don't have a good reading on how your body's responding. So it's just the nature of humans, right? We just always want to. Well, and it also like people, people want absolutes. Like they don't want to do the work. So it's like, I'm just not going to eat carbohydrates or I'm just not going to eat meat or I'm going to go vegan or I'm going to go vegetarian or whatever it is. It's just that I want the absolute answer of what the truth, like what's going to work for me. And the truth is there isn't any absolute answer. It takes work. It takes 
understanding. It takes education um, and it takes experimentation to find out what really works for you. So the unfortunate truth is you have to work at it. You have to listen to your coach. Like we have the limitless challenge coming up. And we obviously we're emphasizing education and learning and experimentation. And, you know, it's not going to be fixed in a month. It's not going to be fixed in two weeks. It's going to take, you know, time. Uh, it's going to take evolution um, to really like know what works for you and understand um, what's good for you and what's not good for you. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we want, we, we see nutrition sometimes as, you know, what it does to us in the mirror, as opposed to what it does to us in the mind. And a lot of times, you know, we always say that everything we put in our mouths is a drug and those drugs affect us mentally and they affect us physically. And it's like paying attention to those things like, okay, but how did it make you feel when you ate that thing? How did it make you feel? What did it do to you? It's like, oh yeah, I never really thought about it like that. It made me feel tired. It made me feel lethargic or it made me, gave me a ton of energy and I felt great, but I don't believe in it. So I don't want to do it. <laughs> but it is that kind of like process and, and, and just awareness um, of, of, of food in that way. Yes, it's a fuel, but it's also a drug. Everything is a drug. Everything affects yeah. us. Um, so paying attention to those things. Um, and the other thing is, of course, is, is, of course, the supplement world where people are just like, okay, but what supplement do I need to take? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. but okay, let's, let's take a step back. And I, you know, I take supplements, like supplements can be helpful, but of course it's like reaching for that magical, there must be a magical supplement that's going to fix all this. And it's like, well, not really like, maybe it'll give you a 1% advantage at a certain point, but for the most part, it's like, go back to the beginning. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about how it makes us feel. Let's talk about what it does to us and then grow from there. Um, yeah, that, that's funny. It's um, so a lot of my, the, the fighters that I work with, they'll be like, Oh, uh, like what supplements, like, what do you think? And, and I, if they're like whole, like eating during the week is good, then um, I say that's number one, that's priority. And there there's these supplements that I have, like my top supplements that I recommend. And yeah. it's, if it's going to give you that one to 2% advantage over your opponent, obviously you're going to take it. We're trying to like beat them. But at the end of the day, it's like, how is your whole, like, what are you eating? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that is the, you know, and that's partly the industry's fault because that's the, that's the marketing of it. And that's the, that's the commercialization of it and so forth. But it is, it is, it's just one of the, it's kind of a running joke in the industry. It's like, should I take creatine? It's like, well, Maybe, but like, let's look at the diet and see what, what else you're eating. And are you drinking enough water? And have you got yeah. enough protein? You've done all these other things, which makes a much bigger difference than any supplement ever will. So it's like, um, yeah. yeah, it's, 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 it really is a, you know, as a coach, it really is like, yeah, you, you want to give, you want to desperately give people the, the right answer and the, you'd love to give them the magic pill. But it's just the unfortunate thing of like, okay, the reality is we need to just look at all this stuff that's hard before we can look at any of this stuff that's easy. Yeah. Um, did you, so once you, you know, you did all the nutritional stuff um, and you kind of fell in love with it. Uh, and I know now that you work with competitive fighters, how did that happen? So I think I would also love to, like work with like weightlifters, but I think, um, 
the weight class sports, like they interest me. Mm-hmm. And it just stems back from my experience with weightlifting because yeah. weightlifting is a weight class sport. Um, but my husband does strength and conditioning for boxers and I helped one boxer and then it was just kind of a word of mouth. And um, I work, I mainly work with boxers. I have a couple of MMA fighters, um, mm-hmm. but mainly I'm, I'm really in like, kind of like the boxing world right now. Awesome. And, you know, just, just for people listening, so they understand, obviously, you know, boxing again being a relative uh relative strength sport you can't just get as big as you like um but you want to be as strong and as powerful as you possibly can be how do you how do you manage that as a nutritionist how do you um how do you keep your fighters at the weight they need to be but still optimize their strength and power yes so it's i've had to talk to a couple of fighters because it's a it uh, there's this culture in the fight world where they, they're in camp for six to eight weeks. They get into what fighting shape and then the fight ends and they blow up, right? And it's mm-hmm. just the conversation, like we need to stay fit like year round. Like I can't have you walking over 50%, 15% over your fight weight. That's just making your life harder. We're in that constant restricting, like that yo-yo dieting, right? Which isn't good for anyone. And so you see a lot of fighters um, that they do this constant yo-yo dieting and it gets harder and harder for them to make weight every fight they do. Um, so my biggest thing is trying to keep them in shape year round. And then when they enter camp, they're very, their carbs are pretty high, just the nature of their sport. Right. It's very glycolytic, right? Obviously yeah. they're all the energy systems overlap, but they need those carbs to build that power, the explosiveness, very high intensity training. Um, but I also like to keep their protein high, especially if they're cutting, we don't want them to be losing their lean muscle tissue. Right. So the protein stays pretty similar. I'm really manipulating the carbs and the fats. Um, I don't, if I'm going to give them more calories, it's really going to be me allocating, um, their carbs, like giving them a big, like more carbs. And if I need to take some fats away to put it into their carbs, I'm going to do that. Um, so it's, it's just these minor adjustments, um, but it's really me just week to week talking to them and saying, Hey, how's your energy level? Um, they're saying, Hey, I feel a little sluggish. Maybe I'm allocating more of their calories towards their carbs. What's the, uh, do you you have any, um, like heavyweights on your roster? Um, the, I have, let's see, I got a couple 154s. I'm not really good with the, the names, you know, how they have like the light heavyweights, the featherweights. Right, right, right. Um, but my, my highest has been 168. Oh, that's okay. That's still relatively light. That's yeah. Still- and then I got a, um, Scrappy Ramirez. He's 115. So he's. Oh God. So for a 168 guy who's a, who's a professional boxer, how many, how many calories is someone like that consuming a day? Um, I would say, let's see, Brandon, close to like, I have his carbs, like up to like 400, like 500 grams. Yeah. It's pretty high. And then pretty, I like towards the beginning of the camp, I have their protein, like a little bit higher than one gram per pound yeah. body weight. But like then as we get somehow. closer, yeah, I'm taking more of the protein, cal- like the calories from protein to their carbs still to keep them fueled, but probably like close to like 3,000, 4,000, like it's pretty high. But again, it really depends on their diet history. Like just because they're in the sport, if they've been eating like egg whites and crackers this time, I can't just give them all the, their, all this food because they're going to, they're going to 
blow up on the scale. So again, it's very individualized still. I, I read once, um, I don't know whether it's true or not, but um, when Manny Pacquiao was trying to go up, up weight classes and he was training, you know, multiple times a day and so forth, he was consuming 10,000 calories a day. And I've heard that from um, uh, Phelps as well, like professional swimmers. And I just think to myself, how, how the f- do you get 10,000 calories in your body? I've, I mean, I've done diets before where I've been on 5,000 calories a day and it's genuinely, it's, it's not terrible. fun. God awful. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun. Awful. So to get 10, th- I just, I just can't even like get my head around how you would even, how you would even do it. Um, and it probably, you know, who, like I said, who knows whether it's true or not, but at that point you've got to be eating shit basically. <laughs> like, you got to be eating sugar, <laughs> like raw, like this yeah, is the and, and then even after like the, so say they weigh in, they, they weigh in at 168, whatever. And they have 24, 30 something hours before their, their fight, like right. they're replenishing, like they're really replenishing with carbs, like, yeah, like yeah. close to 500, 600, 700. And yeah. it's, it's also just making sure if they've been cutting for the whole week, you also don't want to upset their stomach. So we're not giving it all to them all at once. It's just every hour of that time, we're fueling them up with smaller meals. So yeah. the last thing I want them to have is like diarrhea, right? And get them dehydrated. So it's it's a very fine like art to make sure they're still eating similar foods that they've been eating all camp. You don't want to introduce anything new because who knows what will happen. And also knowing that they're a little bit more sensitive because they've been cutting weight, maybe their immune system, their gut isn't as robust. And so really picking the right foods to make sure it's getting digested and properly absorbed. What are your, what are your favorite carbohydrates for fighters? Uh, just simple carbs, um, white like rice? potatoes, white rice, mm. Um, pasta, bread, oatmeal. Um, and it comes down to like what, what they enjoy too. Because, um, you know, they have to be able to adhere to it. So I always want to make sure yeah. they enjoy what they're eating. Yeah, that's a big thing. I think and being realistic about, you know, where they're from, what their, what their family behavior is, what their, um, what their culture is like. You know, different cultures eat different foods, different carbohydrates. So being aware of that stuff, there's just so much to, to take into consideration. That's where you can't have these kind of like, blanket generic kind of like you should eat this you should eat that because there's so many different things to consider mm-hmm. so many different like you know digestive habits that have developed over so long oh yeah um that, that you need to be aware of but i think you know the good thing about the fight game in general is i i think and we've talked about this before but i think habits are changing somewhat in terms of both in terms of strength conditioning and in terms of nutrition like some sports are very reluctant to change and and boxing is one of those sports. It was very like, this is the way we do it because this is the way that we've always done it. Whereas I think like a sport like UFC, which is a lot newer and a lot younger is a lot more willing to experiment and, and take on new ideas and, you know, through throw new things into the, into the fold. Um, I think soccer, like British soccer football, because it's been around for so long, it was always kind of stuck. And it's still like some of the strength conditioning stuff I see for, for, for British football players is garbage. Um, and, you know, some of the nutritional behavior I know for, for, for boxes was still very much in that kind of like eat and then just restrict, 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 starvation, starvation, dehydration, dehydration, and then massively eat after the weigh-in to bolt back up and like just, you know, crazy kind of behavior. Yeah, and which isn't good and isn't sustainable for very long because you know your body just can't 
can't cope with it. But I think, I think like it is changing somewhat. Yes. And I think just the weight cut will always be, it's just part of the sport and it's, it's just different from weightlifting. Maybe you don't do a good weight cut. The worst that happens is, I don't know, you, you feel the lift, right? Um, I'm sure there's other worst things that can happen. Like the bar falls on your head, whatever, but you know, usually you just can't lift it off the floor and you don't make the lift, but in fighting it's, you're going in there. You're risking <laughs> like your life. You're, you're, yeah. It's life or death. And it's like the other person is trying to like, like kill you. Like it's scary. And so like, I think as like a nutritionist, I it's, there's a part of me that gets scared because it's, there's a safety issue. Like if they're dehydrated yeah, just sure. over like 3%, it's like, that's, that's, I'm increasing their chance of getting a knockout. Yeah. So it's, yeah it's a little bit scary. And I think that's why I love it too. Cause it's, I always need to be learning and making sure I'm putting yeah. them in a good position. Yeah. It's, 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 it almost forces you to be, you know, on your game and be educated and be, you know, stay on top of things because the risks are so high, like you yeah. said. Um, but I, you know, I used to, uh, you know, box myself um, and I always loved that sport and I've never really into the UFC to be honest, but I'm, I'm finding myself, being more drawn into it um just because like i just see so much kind of science behind it and so much work being done in in the kind of strength conditioning world to improve the performance of uh, of fighters um but yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping uh boxing makes a bit of a comeback because right now it's kind of like there just aren't that many great like boxes to watch i mean you've got the triple g and um you got the big fight tomorrow obviously Canelo, yeah. Canelo and Triple G3. Um, but there are only a handful of, of fighters really that, that have that kind of draw anymore. Um, and, and particularly when you look at like undercards and stuff, if you look at UFC fighters and undercards, it's always like, there's always like four or five great fights. When you look at boxing now, it's like there's a headliner, which may be someone that is great, maybe. And then the undercards is like, you know, it's never as never as uh, as well stacked as the UFC. So, um, I kind of I want boxing to make a comeback, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, hopefully. Maybe it's, I, I mean, and UFC is it is fun to watch. It's just like so multi dimensional, right? Like grappling, striking. Like it's just it's just a little bit more action going on. But um, it's it's when I watch boxing now, I'm a little more like, ooh, like more like aware of kind of like what's going on just because like I watch right. like the fighters fight, but it's um and also it's 12 rounds. That's a, it's, yes. it's long. <laughs> it is long. But I still love the, you know, I mean obviously they're both technical sports, but because boxing is such a kind of like pure, pure technical sport, as in obviously, you know, there there's, there's a handful of rules that you have to apply to and the certain things obviously certain things you can't do. Um, so it's really easy, you know, as a as a viewer who understands boxing, it's a lot kind of an easier sport to kind of like compute in your brain. Whereas yeah. UFC, there's just so much, so much that's available, so much different things people can do. It's more kind of like, it's more confusing to me as a viewer. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have to be, you have to be more aware of more things. Um, and, you know, you have to have basically a lot more knowledge about a lot, a lot of different, like whether it's you know, wrestling or jujitsu or, 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 you know, um, or grappling or, um, or boxing, whatever it may be. There's just so much available in that sport that it almost like, 
you know, it's almost almost too much because it's just <laughs> so many skills. Whereas boxing is still like very like, okay, this I understand. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I hope it. Uh, I hope it. I hope it comes back a little bit and, and and makes a bit of a comeback. But you know, again, a lot of that is to do with promotion and marketing and making the right fights happen and putting the right people in the ring. And, you know, trying to get away from all the politics. Of course, there's always going to be politics in the fight game, but um, it just got to the point where, like, fights that should have happened never did. Fighters that should have been elevated never were. And then you kind of just lose you lose patience with it. So I'm hoping it, it makes a bit of a comeback. Cause, yeah. You know. That, that's funny you say that because um, I, I told you we have a fight or um, my husband's training Zerto Ramirez, who's going to fight against Dimitri Baval, which Baval is, um, he's one of the boxers that fought against Canelo. Yeah. Um, I think it's past May and he beat Canelo. So we've been trying to make Zerto and Baval, like we've been making, or not me, we, but they've, um, they've been trying to make this fight happen forever. And it's just the politics involved. It just never yeah. happened. And it's frustrating. And then finally, they demanded that this fight happen. Uh, so it's going to happen on November 5th in Abu Dhabi. So uh, that'll oh, be a big one. That'll be a huge one to tune into. Yeah. Uh, will you be going or? No, I wish. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> so um, as you as you kind of sit now, where do you find your kind of passions lying? Where, where do you want to like, because you could go so many different ways in your career, because there's just so much going on. Where do you find your kind of passions lying or is it kind of like balanced across all these different things? I think in the future, I would love to work with more performance athletes in terms of nutrition, but I think my love for just training people will always be there. Um, also just teaching people how to strength train, especially in the world of Olympic lifting. Um, I think I think a balance is kind of what I'm aiming for, but definitely just uh, maybe a little more nutrition in the future. But I mean, I'll still never stop loving like training people and doing physical therapy. So yeah, that's awesome. And I asked this of everyone on the podcast or a lot of people on the podcast, if you were to tell the listeners like what your purpose would be, what would your purpose be in like a sentence or a couple of sentences? How would you summarize your purpose? I would say that I would want to be that positive light in a person's life because right now I feel like there's a lot, even doctors telling people that they can't do something. And often it's me trying to deny that and be like, no, you'll be able to squat again. Or yeah, you'll be able to go trail running. It's, there's a lot of like, you can't, you can't. And I want to be that person that's telling them that they can. So That's great. Yeah. People need to hear that. Yeah. There's nothing worse than someone telling you you can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And um, you have a, a workshop coming up in the challenge, right? Yes, October 9th. October 9th. Tell people about that workshop. What's it? It's on hip and... Yeah, hip and low back uh, mobility. And pretty much we'll just spend the whole hour just really exploring mobility, learning how your body's moved me, moving, where it's restricted. And um, it's not going to be like an easy class. I'm hoping that it's, you know, a full hour of just like movement and maybe um hopefully it's it's challenging <laughs> yeah it'll be great it'll be great and you're a limitless challenge coach you're taking on clients for that and you're doing personal training and you're doing physical therapy um you're doing a lot um and people can find you at Ferris athletic club obviously and i think we're going to get you more i think on the schedule even more coming up which i'm yes. excited about 
That's the plan. Um, so guys, um, if you uh, uh, want to work with Suri, then obviously reach out to us at the club. We'll steer you in the right direction. Uh, you can follow Suri at, what's your Instagram, Suri? Oh, no, I'm not very active. I'll try to be, it's Sally Yoshi. Sally <laughs> Yoshi, okay. Or just reach out to us at Ferris <laughs> Park on Instagram and we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. But um, thank you so much for talking to me, Suri. Um, I think you're fantastic. Uh, I look forward to working with you more. Me, me and Suri have only met like actually in person once. And that's totally my fault because I've been so like preoccupied with this this project in in Idle World, and I just haven't been uh, in in the gym in Echo Park as much as I'd like to. But I'm really looking forward to to seeing you more, working with you more, learning more from you. Um, I love talking to you. I think you're a genius, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to um, to to see where you go at, at Ferris uh, Echo Park. Uh, and thanks again for for joining me. And I'm sorry it took two efforts. Um, it's totally Brandon, my producer's fault. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> um, I'm completely flawless in this operation. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks again. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. You take care. Uh, that's it for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, of course, you can come and see us. We're at 1316 Glendale Boulevard. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Ferris Echo Park. Uh, we are opening a new gym in Idlewild. Um, I'm trying to get it open. Uh, grand opening in January. I'm trying to get it open by Thanksgiving. We'll see how, what magic I can work. I've got a ton of good things happening at the club. We've got the Limitless Challenge starting next week. We've got more classes coming on the schedule. We've got a new class called Condition starting next week, which is a conditioning uh, class, essentially working on aerobic and anaerobic capacity. Super excited about that. So tons of good stuff happening. Come see us, come join us, come work out, come have some fun, and I'll see you in the gym. Take care.